Learn how to build your faith in God's word and live a life of 100% victory 100% of the time. As you listen to the senior pastor, Davis Christian Center, Pastor Kingsley Okunkwo, and expect God's word to work for you. Praise the Lord. I can't hear you. Praise the Lord. No, you can do better. Come on, praise the Lord. All right. Today is the communion service, and um, we've been fasting for the last seven days as a church, um, and we're rounding it up today with this communion service. Part of what um, I was standing, you know, before God about was that I don't want to lose anyone in this church to coronavirus. Yeah, there have been so many reports of people dying, but I decree that no member of this church will be lost to coronavirus in the name of Jesus. You see, and it's possible because God keeps his covenant and he preserves his people. Are you here, somebody? He said when he brought them out of Egypt, he took care of them financially. He also took care of them in terms of their health. Psalm 105, verse 37. Psalm 105, 37. He says, he brought them forth also with what? Silver and gold. Is it on the screen? Why are you not saying it? He brought them forth also with what? Silver and gold. So he settled them financially. Then he says, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one was feeble. Not one was what? Feeble. He brought them out with silver and gold. Coming out of this year with silver and gold. That means financially, this whole virus situation will not affect you. That amen is not born again. He said, and there was not one feeble amongst them. That will be the testimony of this church. Not one will be feeble here. The way he says in Exodus, it says, their feet was not swollen and their clothes did not wax old. Their feet were not swollen and their clothes did not what? Wax old. He preserved them. That's my point. God can preserve his people. God can what? Preserve his people. He can preserve his people. And he will preserve you. I said he will preserve you. Now, we began to look at the fact that the communion, which we are going to take today, they've already given it to you, but we'll take it at the end of the service. The communion, which we are going to take today, is not just a religious thing. When we were young, we were given the impression that it was religious. In fact, let me explain. And it's not that it's our parents' fault. That's the right thing to do. They had no choice but to teach us the culture. When children are the age where they can't fully understand something, you just teach them the habit of it. Somebody get what I'm saying? You pass the culture of it. As they grow, they will get the revelation of it. Somebody getting what I'm saying? And that is what religion actually is. It's when you pass something to somebody, they are doing it, they don't even know why. But however, religion does not save. You still have to grow beyond just 
religion. I took communion when I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. You, they would do, you would do confirmation, something called confirmation. I don't know what they do. It's another dumb But you would try to do some classes. They would now wear white. So, do you remember? At least you would have seen, even if you, you, were, you, were not, you, were, you didn't do your own time, but you have seen people do it. You now wear white. You now come out, all of us. Then you now do like this. Then you now take it. In some churches, the priest will give everybody. We got the religion of it, but we didn't understand what we were doing. The communion is not a religious rite at all. It is actually a covenant meal. It's a meal that is taken between two people that have a covenant together. The communion did not start from Jesus. It did not start, or let me say, it did not start from the New Testament Jesus. It did not start from New Testament. The communion has always existed in time. Let's go to Genesis now. Chapter 14. Talking about Abraham. So, covenants have had existed since. God is a covenant God. God doesn't like any normal relationship. All the relationships God has are covenant relationships. All. All. God likes to enter covenants with people. That's how he operates. And he enters covenant with you. And if you, if you flow well, it will also pass to your children's children. Because most of the covenants are eternal or everlasting covenants. And you, you can't live forever, but your children continue to inherit God's covenant because they are your children. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? A covenant is, is, is an agreement that is binding. So it's not just a contract. In a contract, you can, you can find clauses to get out of it. In a covenant, there's no getting out of it. You are bound with that person forever. So, and in that covenant... All that you are and all the person is, is now, they are now joined together. You are both now one. The closest thing to it in our modern term is marriage. Is somebody following what I'm saying? So, in that covenant time, they had different things that they used to do to start a covenant. One of the things they do to start a covenant is that in every covenant, there must be shedding of blood. You can't do covenant without shedding of blood. So, those of you that have joined cults before... Or you are present in a cult. Some people are laughing. In every church, they, we have, they have cultists, they have 419 people, they have prostitutes. Those people attend, they like church. Yeah, so they always come. The church is a public place, so they're always present. So welcome. <laughs> Praise God. Do welcome, eh? So, <laughs> in every covenant, there must be shedding of blood. So if you have joined cult before, or you've heard of people that have joined cult, they will always tell you that it's a part of the initiation ceremony where their, their, their body is cut. Do you remember, guys? Where some of their body is cut. The people I'm talking to, they answered. They had one laughing. The person I spoke to, he answered me. You, you are laughing. <laughs> you are laughing. The person I spoke to, he answered me now. <laughs> Don't mind them, my brother. So, <laughs> so, so, in every point of the covenant, you know, the there must be a point where they cut the person. There must be shedding of blood. Why is there shedding of blood specifically? Because the blood represents life. The Bible says that the life of every human being or being is in his what? Blood. That's why if you are losing blood, you are going to die. Because that's your life literally going. Somebody get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, there must be shedding of blood because that's what represents your life. 
being joined to whatever it is you are joining to, whether it's a demonic power or, or whatever, or God. Now, or between people. Now, for us as New Testament Christians, we don't need to shed blood again. Why? Because God thought about it in the New Covenant and felt, if we start doing cutting of blood for us to enter a covenant with him, this whole place will be smelling of blood. Because every time somebody wants to give their life to Christ, we say, as you're coming to give your life to Christ, come and your blood will be cut. And you see somebody on the stage sharpening razor blade or sharpening, strong, strong, strong. So as you give your life to Christ, they will cut you for blood to, I mean, to be messy, to be gory, to be scary. So God said, you know what we are going to do? I'm going to bring my son, Jesus. He's going to come like a man. He's going to represent all of mankind. He's going to represent all of mankind. And he is going to shed his blood once and for all. So that's why he came and he had to shed his blood. There was specific things that had to happen to Jesus. If it was just about dying alone, he could have died a very ceremonious death. He could have died a home video death. You know home video death? You're surrounded by your close friends and family. They're not playing. Saying, you know, say, my children. He would have done that. No, but there were specific things that had to happen for it to be a covenant. Shedding of blood had to happen. I get what I'm saying, guys. So he came and died and shed his blood to represent all of us. So we, now we don't have to shed his blood. All we have to do is to accept that he has shed his blood. That that blood he shed, I'm included in the people he shed it for. Is it making sense so far? What I'm trying to teach you today is a lot of things. I'm trying to squeeze it into a short time. So please, I need you to be moving with me fast. So there was shedding of blood done for us. Another part of the covenant that is major is the token of the covenant. So in the Old Testament, they were circumcised. So that time, the token is the outward part of every covenant. So they were circumcised. So that time, if you see somebody that is not circumcised, you know he's not in a covenant with God. It's like the way women or men wear wedding bands, wedding rings. It's the outward representation of that you are married. If I see wedding ring, I know that there's, you are married to someone, even though the person is not with you now, right now. Somebody get what I'm saying? So that's why David looked at Goliath and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He wasn't insulting Goliath. He was making a statement of fact that this man we are afraid of doesn't have backing. As he's standing here, this is all he is. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That if he, if he had a covenant, that means God was with him, which is scary. Like I said earlier, that's why women can slap police or shout at police and the police is calm because she doesn't know who that woman is what married to. If you're married woman, if you shout at police, they, they, they'll be talking, because they don't know if your husband is either a high-ranking police officer or a soldier. But if you're a man and you shout at police or slap police, <laughs> they know this is all of you. <laughs> then go beat ye ye. Somebody getting this. On that part of the covenant is giving. Now, whenever there's a covenant, we exchange whatever we possess. And the concept usually is that I will give you 10%. So that's where the word tithe came out of. The word tithe simply means tent. It's not a special word. 
is not a special word. The word tithe is just an old way of saying 10%. You can just say tenth. Those days when you enter a covenant with someone, you give them tenth, a tenth part or 10% of all you have. Just now, the purpose of giving that 10% that time is to say, number one, if you need the 90 or you need more out of this 90, it's available to you. That 10% is just to show you that I'm, I'm, I'm clear that all I have is yours. It's, it's a token. It's just to say, look, I'm giving you this to let you know that the rest, if you need it, it's, it's available to you. And the person who gives you their own, so it's available to you. Is somebody get what I'm saying? Now, the tent also is to remind you that you are not alone in your covenant. So let's, let's see something. I'll go to Genesis now. It says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter. You know the story. Abraham went to fight about three or four kings, and he won them and took all their goods. It says, And, um, and the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's deal. Now, next verse. <clears throat> he said, And who? Mechisedek, king of Salem, brought forth what? Now, you need to understand this, guys. This bread and wine presents the communion. But before I go into the communion, I need you to understand the concept. This king of Salem, this Melchizedek, was actually Jesus Christ. In case you don't know, Jesus Christ appeared in many places in the Old Testament. This, the, Jesus coming to die on the cross wasn't the first time he was coming. He had always had to come at different points to carry out different assignments. He has always had to come. Somebody getting what I'm saying? So this was one of the times he came. How do we know this Jesus Christ? Because somebody said, oh, about, uh, say, he said, the king of Salem. Well, uh, go to Hebrews, you'll see how we know. The Bible is a coded book. That's why you need a Bible teacher. That's why we have pastors. That's why we go to church. Because you can't just read the Bible literally and run away with it. Or else you went to bush. This same Bible that can give light can also create confusion. Is somebody following what I'm saying? So that's why you have Bible teachers. Because the book is coded and is highly summarized. So you need to have somebody to expound and somebody to explain under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, of course, what, what thing means. So if, if I didn't say, if I, if for some of you now, if I, if I never said that this guy is Jesus Christ, you won't read this on your own and just think it's Jesus. But if you go to Hebrews, you'll see where they explain that this is Jesus Christ. Okay. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and did what? Blessed. Now, please take note of the word blessed him. Everywhere tithe is discussed, blessing, blessing is also discussed. Now, next verse. To whom also Abraham gave what? I can't hear you. Who Abraham gave what? A tenth part of all. So I told you tithe simply means tenth. It's not a special word. It's just tenth. He gave him a tenth, um, tenth of all. First, being by interpretation, what? They said that king of Salem, that Melchizedek, he's called king of righteousness. Who, who else is the king of righteousness? I can't hear you. Who else is the king of righteousness? In case you don't know, there's only one person that is king of righteousness, and that's Jesus. That's what makes us righteous today. Jesus is the king of righteousness, in case you don't know that. Now, next thing. He says, and after that, also king of what? 
Salem, which is what? Who is known as the Prince of Peace in scriptures? Some of you are not sure. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So, look at this. Next verse. It said, um, without what? A natural father or a natural mother. Without what? Descent. Having neither what? Beginning of days nor end of... That means they knew that this guy, nobody actually knew where he was coming from. He had no father, no mother, nothing. It says, but is made like unto what? Son of God. They literally told us literally here that this guy is son of God. It says, abideth a what? Priest continually. Who else is a priest continually? I can't hear you. Who else is a priest continually? Only Jesus is a priest continually. All the other priests or pastors or prophets or whatever here, their ministry is going to end here. When we all get to heaven, I will no longer be your pastor. I know some of you will be happy about that. (laughs) But I will no longer be your pastor. Only one person was a priest here on the earth and is a priest continually forever and ever. That person is who? Jesus. They said he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. Did you bring that up? He's sitting right now at the right hand of God, making intercession. Do you understand? If nobody else is praying for you, just be rest assured, Jesus is standing the gap for you right now. It's there in the Bible. Did you quickly bring that one? He's seated and making intercession. That's what a priest does. A priest is standing between two people, making intercession, you know, speaking for the other people. Oh, in front of somebody else. Hey, look at this here. It says, um, who is he that condemned? Is it Christ that died? Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even right now at the right hand of God? Who also maketh what? Intercession. Look at this. Right now, as we are in this service now, Jesus is standing by God, making, saying, Lord, Shukba will not die. Lord, Kingsley will not die. He's making intercession. So he's a priest continually. He's the only one that is a priest continually. There's no other person that is a priest continually. What does this mean? That means, go back to Melchizedek. That means this Melchizedek guy is who? Jesus. He says, abided a priest continually. Look at the next verse. He said, now consider how great this man was, who gave, who, um, even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe to. Next verse. You know, it, it, because, okay, stop there. It, it, it says this, that, you know, here, men that die receive your tithe. It said, but there, Jesus is the one that receives your tithe. So, the amazing thing is that everything that happened in that Genesis chapter 14 still happens today. Melchizedek, which appeared physically to give communion and to um, receive the tithe, is still doing it today. Just that he's doing it spiritually. So they said, here on the earth, men that die receive the tithe. So when you bring it to church, offering basket receives it, church receives it, men that die receive it. He said, but there, look at it here, guys. He said, here and here, men that die receive tithes. That means physical men, physical priests receive tithes here. He said, but there, but there. That priest that is there continually is also still receiving what? Your tithe. So every time you bring your tithe, we receive it here physically. But they said your high priest, Jesus, 
also receives. You know, some people just wake up and be saying, oh, Titan has ended. This is Hebrews. And I'm not, I wasn't born when they wrote it. So I can't be the one manipulating it. They said it there, that here, men that die receive tithes, but there, your tithe is still being received. Let's go back to Genesis 14. Hallelujah. Is somebody getting it so? So Mexidek did something. The moment he went to meet Abraham, after the battle, he brought bread and wine. Now, please take note. Abraham was a very rich man. Abraham had, Abraham had over 300 servants. He had over 300 servants. In those days, for you to have 300 servants, it means you are accommodating them. I hope you know what I'm talking about. You are the one housing them. 300 servants means they will probably have wives and children. So basically, Abraham was taking care of probably 1,000 people. So, this means he was not a broke person. That's what I'm trying to say. By those standards, he was not broke. He had a thousand people living with him. Not, not employment. They were living with him a thousand. Do you imagine what food budget for a thousand people do per day? Do you know how many cows they would kill? One day, this breakfast. Breakfast, 30 rams for lunch. So, I'm trying to tell you how stinkingly rich Abraham was to have had 1,000 people. If he had 300 and something, um, is it 307? I mean servants. 318 servants that went for the war. Many of them were married because they marry early in the Middle East. They marry early if you know anything about that. So, and they have children. They don't have limited children, just born as they like. So I will estimate 1,000. Why did the priest bring bread and wine? He didn't bring bread and wine because Abraham was hungry. No. He did not bring bread and wine because Abraham... He brought it because what they were having was a covenant meeting. There were three people in that meeting. I will show you that as it goes on. Three people in that meeting. Jesus is the priest continually. So Jesus was standing there. Two other people that were in a covenant came together. And what Jesus brought was bread and wine. It wasn't hunger. He wasn't trying to feed Abraham. Abraham was very rich. You won't go and see Big Gates and you carry bread and wine. Am I correct? If you can't see Big Gates, you're not carrying sandwich and uh, ever wine. That's not what you would take. He's already a billionaire. It was a covenant meal. And why bread and wine? Why not yam and beans? Why not amala and begiri? Are you following what I'm saying? Why not rice and salad? Bread and wine was significant. It's what we call communion today, but it existed that time because in itself, it is a covenant meal. Whenever you are in a covenant with somebody, you must take bread and wine regularly to remind each other that we are in a covenant. Why? Bread symbolizes your flesh. Whenever you break the bread, you are saying, look, number one, I'm ready to break my flesh, meaning I'm ready to die to defend this covenant. And number two, if I don't defend this covenant, may I die? Why wine? Wine symbolizes blood. It's a reason. It symbolizes blood, red. It says, if I don't keep the, um, this wine being shed, reminds me that you and I, our blood are joined together, that you will always be with me. And number two, if I don't keep the demands of the command, let my blood be shed. 
So let's see what happened. So the wine, the principal assignment of that covenant meal is remembrance. Come on, say remembrance. Or in today's words, you can say a consciousness that I'm not alone. Okay. So he brought brought, brought bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. See the next verse. And he did what? I can't hear you. And he did what? You guys are not responding. And he did what? After the way of our tithing is caused, blessing is also always there. He said, and he blessed him and said, this is the priest. He blessed him and said, blessed be who? Abraham of who? Now, you see, because it's written in English, you might not understand what he was saying. When people enter a covenant, part of the things that happen is that they are saying that both of them have become one. And in doing so, they exchange names. They carry on the same names. Somebody got what I'm saying. Sorry, is that your wife? Okay, please, what's, what, what's your last name? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, Heidi. Hope I'm pronouncing it right. What was your maiden name before you got married? No, let, let me speak for you because it's far. Obaro, good. Now, when Miss Obaro was single, that was her last name. Everybody knew her as that. The moment she came to marry you and said, I do, what happened to her name? It changed. She's no longer Obaro. She's now what? Ohide. That change of name, even if I don't meet Mr. Ohide, if I knew her personally before as Obaro and I see that her name has changed to Ohide, that tells me that she's no longer alone. She might be standing alone today in my presence, but there's another part of her somewhere. Oh, I don't know if you know what I'm saying. What that means is that if she's standing here that she wants to buy something I'm selling, if she doesn't have the cash on her, it doesn't mean she can't buy it. Oh, somebody understand what I'm saying. Let me move to this side. I say, if she doesn't have the cash on her person, she has somebody that can transfer. I will never judge her by her own bank statement alone. Oh, glory to God. From the day she's in a covenant with this man and has taken his name, they are now one. That's what the priest was calling Abraham. He was saying, Abraham, God. In Hebrew, <laughs> hallelujah, in Hebrew, he, what he was saying was, Abraham El Elyon. The Bible was not, uh, the words were not said in English. It's English that had to make it look like Abraham of the No, what he was saying was that Abraham, God. He, he gave Abraham, Abraham's last name was now God. Because they are in a covenant now. So he had to call him his name. See, the reason why the guy came that day was to remind Abraham. That don't, mm -mm, don't think you are... You will see it. He said it later. He, so if I call... See, let me tell you. If, 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 if I see her alone, alright? If I want to remind her she's married, I'll call her her full name. If I just call... Please, what's your first name if you don't mind? What's your first... Ejiro. If I just say Ejiro, I might not mean anything. When I say Ejiro, hi there. What am I saying? I say you're a married woman. Remember who you are. And if somebody gets what I'm saying. What Mekisarek came to do that day was to remind Abraham. And that's what every communion service is about. To remind you that you are not alone. That coronavirus can kill people. It can't kill you. It can't kill you. 
the economy might be down for others, it can't be down for you. He came on a remembrance mission. Let's see, let's see. He said, um, and blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. Glory to God. So from now on, add the Most High God or any of the Hebrew names of God you like. Kingsley El Shaddai. Hallelujah. So if you think Kingsley can't kill you, you better be afraid, afraid of the El Shaddai behind me. <laughs> oh, somebody's not getting what I'm saying. If you think John can't bite, what of John El Shaddai? What of John Jiri? I like that one, JJ. Oh, glory to God. If John can bite, John Jiri can bite. That's what he was reminding Abraham. You are now Abraham El Elyon. You are not just Abraham. You are Abraham what? El Elyon. See, see what he said. See what he said. Look at this. He said, um, I'm blessed be him. I'm, I'm blessed be him. And Abraham of the most high God is a possessor of what? He was introducing Abraham's partner. He said, Abraham's partner, the most high God, is the possessor of the heaven and the earth. You can't be married to the possessor of the heaven and earth and you're looking for land. Oh, somebody didn't get what I said. You know, there's an, there's an anointing for properties this year. I don't know if you have received it over your own life. Even those of you watching me abroad, there's an anointing for property in the country that you live. He said, you are, you are in a covenant with the possessor, the owner. The owner of the heavens and the earth. Trust me, it can make small space for you. How many acres do you need? You just make space. He's the owner of the heavens and the earth. Even if you already own your own house, you can build a, a, an estate for business. The next verse, I have to round up. He says, and blessed be who? The most high. So, there were three people in that, in that place. Please come, let me just demonstrate it. Two of you, come. Come, quickly now, quickly, quickly, come on stage. So, what, what, what the priest, remember he's a priest forever. This should help you. This should help you guys. That's why, don't let any clown be telling you that there's no tithing. He doesn't understand, it's, it's a covenant thing. When you understand, we are, that's why we are called the bride of Christ. You are, you are married to Jesus. It's not just a song. Oh, I don't know if somebody get what I'm saying. It's a covenant. If we are still taking communion today, then of course we will still be tithing today. Both of them were introduced the same day. The same, same uh, uh, situation. So please stand. You will be Abraham. You will be the most high God. So what Mekisedek, which Jesus was doing, and which is what he's still doing today, he's still standing between us. He said, blessed be Abraham, El Elyon. Then when he finished, he now said, blessed be who? Most high God. They were both there. He was just doing intermediary work, which is what he always does. He said, most high God, he now told Abraham, which has delivered thy enemies into your hands. Remember, he came on a remembrance mission. Abraham just finished fighting a battle. Abraham took 300 and how many servants? 318 servants to go and fight three or four kings. I don't know if you understand. Naturally speaking, they shouldn't have come back alive. From the first king, they should have all died. Imagine 318 men go and fight a country. They will kill you before you will leave your base. But they came back victorious. And just to remind Abraham that, hey, don't think it was the business plan that saved you. Don't think it was the branding. Eesh. 
Don't think it was the online presence. Your, your Instagram posts that brought the customer. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody's not getting what I'm saying. Don't think it's your brother that recommended you that brought the blessing. Because there are many people that their brothers have recommended and nothing came out. They came to remind Abraham. He said, he's the one which delivered thy enemies into thy hands. I came to remind you that he delivered your enemies to your hands. Not your hard work. There are many people that work harder than you and they've not been paid. They are still broke. He came to remind him. And the moment he reminded him, what did Abraham do next? I can't hear you. What did Abraham do next? Every time you spend your tithes, you are telling God that I don't care. It's not you that helped me. I work hard for this thing. That's all you're doing. Every time you do it. Every time we bring our tithe before God, we're saying, Lord, I'm not a fool. I know that it was your hand. It was your favor that made this thing possible. Some people have worked harder than me and they didn't get blessed. And listen, if all the blessings you have, you think that it equates the hard work you put, then you have not been enjoying the blessing. One of the ways you know you are blessed, listen carefully now, listen carefully now. One of the ways you know you are blessed is that even you, without people saying it, you will look at the results of your life and agree that the results I have are not commensurate with the work I put in. Thank you for the two people that understand what I just said. The rest, they understand it. How do I know I'm blessed? It is when you see the results of your life and not commensurate with the work you put in. That means you look at your qualifications, look at your work, look at your physical stature. Hey, some of you, the person you married, you will look at him or her and look at the mirror and you say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Is somebody getting what I'm saying? You will know that normally, eh? This kind of person is not supposed to send me. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. If everything in your life is commensurate to the work you're putting in, go and check it. Go and check it. Somewhere along the line, you are disconnecting with the covenant you have with God. Somewhere along. I don't know what, you, what it is you need to adjust. And every time you spend your tithe and don't bring it before God, you're saying, hey, I did this by myself. That's why when I see some people say, oh, my tithe is to go and give to the poor. I don't even know how you came about that. If you understand what it is, giving to the poor is a different covenant. There are about five or six or seven different people God said to say we must give to. Number one, giving to your parents. It's very important. Giving to your man of God, your spiritual parents. It's also very important. All this are in scripture. It's also very important. Then giving to the poor is very important. They are all different things. Giving to other people in need around you. They are all these things are different giving. They are not in any way related or connected to the tithe. The tithe is a covenant offering. You don't, you don't, it's not just give to anybody you like. You are the poor. You have covenant. Do you want to be poor? Is that your aim in life? How do you give your title? Will the poor bless you? That's not what is done. Given to the, there, are, there are many givings. I, can, I don't have time to show you. Given to your parents' standard. If you are, no, see, your parents can be very rich. It doesn't mean you, it, it, you don't give these givings because the person is broke. Because your parents can be multi-billionaire. Find something you can still give them. And find something. There must be something you can give them. Because giving to them is very important for your blessing on the earth. Your spiritual parents, they can also be richer than you. You don't give them because, ah, oh, my pastor is dying. He's poor, hungry. Let me find him something. No. No, 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 no. You give to them as a matter of covenant sense because it's there in scripture. People that speak over you and bless you, it's important you always give. 
given to the poor. It's under a very powerful covenant. You must have, God always surrounds you with certain people that you are the one that will help them. You are their answered prayers. That's why God connected you with them. You even given to the poor. You don't just give it any how you like. Anybody beggar and they'll just be giving them. That's not how it works. I'm not saying you should never give to beggar. But you know, love those, you, know, you know that those children are rented. Oh, some of you don't know that. Because of you are very religious. If I give to the... It's not, it's not charm. When God puts money in your hand, you must be very careful about how it goes out. Make sure it's going to the right channel and the right source. Giving to the poor must be calculated. Don't just... Somebody just beg you. A lot of those children are rented. Though. The woman holding her, the baby is not the owner of the baby. Oh. Ah, go and investigate, please, if you don't know. Because some people are looking at me with open eyes. I said, heard what I'm saying for. I have many friends that have carried... The, see those kind of women? They will go and carry them. So I want to house them. I want to help them. Me, I'm just in one corner laughing. After they go, they will come back and post again on the second. Say, don't mind that woman, no. He said, that woman, no. Because after they paid her house, everything, they will go to another junction and see how it's on that child altogether. Real situations. Go all the places with children begging. The parents are waiting. It's a business. Ah, don't have time to be teaching those. Those children are not lost. Their parents are behind. Kidnap one of them that you see. <laughs> the children, the parents are there. It's a business. They send them forward. They stay behind. Wait for them. So that's why no matter what you give them, if you don't change their mindset, they will come back because this is their source of income. And they make more money than that and the small business is not going to start for them. So giving to the poor, it's not, giving, giving to the poor, it's not just to be sharing money. That's not what giving to the poor is about. You, there are people strategically, God will locate around you and you are the only one sent to them. So all this is a different covenant giving. You can carry your tithe and go and give to the poor. What are you talking about? They're not the same thing. It's an insult on God's self. Somebody get what I'm saying? So the purpose of the tithe, one of these is to say, hey, Lord, I'm not a fool. I remember that you are the one that blessed me. Every time you eat your tithe, it's arrogance. It's insolence. It's you saying, I don't care. I did this by myself. I'm in control of my own life. He said, the moment they reminded him that it is God that delivered your enemies into my hands, they say he quickly remembered and gave the tithes of all to say, I remember and I agree. Communion. Let's end in communion. I have to end now. Wow. Go to where we read in the first service. You guys can sit down. Please let me clap for my guys. Thank you. Abraham and the Most High God. Quickly, quickly. Um, Luke twenty-two nineteen. He said, and Jesus took bread in the communion. He took bread and gave thanks. And what? Break it. Break it. And he gave it unto them, saying what? I can't hear you. It's on the screen now. He gave them saying what? This is my body. Which is what? For what reason? This do what? I've told you the purpose of the communion meal is to remind you that you are in a covenant with the most high God. If they broke my body, they will never break your body. That's what Jesus is saying. Remember you are not alone. Remember, see, it doesn't matter what they are saying is going on out there. They don't have the covenant you have. That's why I know you can't be poor. You can't die of the virus. Say, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. Hallelujah. This is my body that was broken for you. I broke my body so that you will never be broken. Are you here, somebody? Say, do it in remembrance. It's not a religious right. It's not about how you stand and how you walk. 
with small, small steps. Don't take long steps, small, small steps, and wear white. All this is just religion. The real revelation in it is that I'm in a covenant with God. Do you understand? All of heaven's resources are available to you. You are Kingsley El Elion. Covenant with the Most High God. Anybody that can't fight God can't fight you. Anybody that can't stand God won't stand you. In the name of Jesus. Next verse. It says, Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is what? The new covenant. The word testament means covenant. I hope you know that. It's the new covenant in my blood. Which is what? Shed for you. Can we rise to our feet? Hope you still have the communion with you. Most satire. As we have decreed, no one in this church will be lost to coronavirus. I said no one in this church will be lost to coronavirus. As there was none feeble amongst them. None will be feeble here amongst us in the name of Jesus. Rita Bokarade Sota Bradasa. Come on, hold the communion in your hand and pray. All of heaven's resources are backing you. Your name has changed from today. You are in a covenant with God. You are in a covenant with God. Everything God is is behind you. Zika babro de bosada da baba brada basora da bas i brada baso brada baba baso i mambro da baso da bas brada sata bradas come and pray over the communion you you cannot fail you cannot die come and speak it over it if Jesus died, he died so that you would not die on timely death. Jesus shed his blood so that your own blood would not be shed. Come on, speak over the covenant. You will never forget again the covenant you have. You will never, you will never miss tithing. You will never be that arrogant to forget that it was God that gave you the future. Come on, pray over the communion before we take it. If you don't have the communion, raise your hand. They will give you one. Lord, as we take this, it represents your blood. Your blood was shed for us so that our own will not be shed. The same way there was no sickness in your blood, there will not be sickness in our blood. The same way a virus did not kill you, a virus can never kill us. Today, we are reminded that we have you. We have your backing. We have your blessing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can take the blood now. Glory to God. Glory to God. I decree that you are blessed. Your week is blessed. Your year is blessed. Every blessing of the covenant will be showing up in your life. 
in the name of Jesus. You are not permitted to die. You are not permitted to die. Coronavirus will not come near you. This church will not lose anyone to the virus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412 or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org. David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.